BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Okay, guys, today is an episode that has randomly been asked for or requested like by five different people within one week. And it just happened where every single time someone brought it up, I was like, someone else just brought this up. Someone else just brought this up. So here we are. I'm going to chat about everything dog related and not my typical content. Obviously, I share Charlie a lot randomly, sporadically, but like, I don't think I've done anything like primarily focused on him. I will link in the show notes. I did an episode with the founder of the rescue that we got him from, Safe and Sound Satos. And that was like a really old episode. So I'll link it if you want to hear more about like the rescue and what they're doing and their mission and how it all works. But this one, I want to talk about like how we mentally got to the place of wanting a dog and deciding it was the right time for us, what that process looked like, why I'm so grateful we got a dog before we had a kid, what it looked like introducing Charlie and Liam and having a kid and like how that affected my relationship with Charlie and all of those things. And the DMs I've gotten, actually one of my very good friends, Kara Duvall, who a lot of you know and love as well. We were on the phone the other day and we were talking about her dog River and Charlie and all this stuff. And she's like, you should do an episode on how your relationship with Charlie changed after having a kid. Because I think a lot of people are nervous about that. And I was like, that is so weird you say that because so many people within the past week have specifically asked me about certain things about Charlie. So here we are. This episode is focused on the king of the house, Chaz Michael. Yes, we call him that because of Chad Michael Murray. I don't know how we got there, but that is what we call him. Come on in. So I guess going from the beginning, we decided I always wanted a dog. I grew up with dogs. I had two black labs as a young child. Then when one passed, we ended up getting, or no, they were both alive when we got Zoe. They were both alive, but they were getting old. One was like close to passing. So then we got a cockapoo that we just surprised my dad with. Like one day, literally after soccer practice, we went to like puppy barn. I know, I'm sorry. And got her and we're like, dad, isn't this dog cute at my sister's lacrosse game? And he was like, yeah, whatever. And we were like, ha, it's ours. I can't believe we did that, but we did. And then we also had gotten a third black lab at one point scout. Unfortunately, they have all passed since then, but they all lived very long lives up until like 10 to 15 years, I would say. So impressive for a dog. 
yes, I grew up a dog person, but like my parents, okay, my dad will kill me for saying this. My mom is not a dog person. My dad likes dogs, yes, but like our dogs had very strict rules in the house. Like they weren't even allowed upstairs. They weren't like sleeping in our beds. They were our pets, but they weren't like integral. Like the way that I feel about Charlie is not the way that I feel our dogs had a life growing up, which makes me really sad to talk about with my sisters a lot, but they were loved. Okay. That's all that needs to be said. So I grew up a dog person. I always knew I wanted a dog and Joe grew up with dogs. He loved one of his dogs. And then I don't think he really loved the other ones. He can speak on that. Not that he's on the show, but they just weren't, it's like a multi-poo, I think, and a Jack Russell. And he just was like, these aren't my type of dogs, but he loved his one dog that I never got to know. So we both knew we wanted a dog. For us in the city, there was no world in which we were getting a dog where we were both working in the corporate world. Like that just made no sense. We were already waking up at like five, going straight to the gym, straight to work, getting home around like 6.30-ish. We would have had a dog that we then would have had to pay all this money to have someone walk the dog like all day long in the morning. And the dog would have just been lonely in an apartment. Like that is not what we wanted to provide for an animal. So we always said we'll get a dog probably like when we're older and we move to the suburbs. Then when I quit JP Morgan, I was like, well, now I can take care of a dog. I can be the one that's walking the dog in the morning. I'll be with the dog in the afternoon, like all day. I'll be working from home. So I started like a heavy, heavy push on getting a dog. And I really want to make that important note of for us, and I think for many, it was not feasible to get a dog in the city when we were both working a corporate job. In today's world, I think post-COVID, many people now, not everyone, but many more people are working from home. So it is way more of a feasible option and conversation to be had, especially in cities. So I started like a hard push on wanting a dog. And it's so funny because years ago, I would have absolutely been someone that's like, I want a golden doodle. I And I'm not throwing shade to anything. It's just, I feel like that's what I would have ended up with. And then there was this shift in my life where I don't know what opened my eyes, but I became very adamant on, I will only be rescuing a dog and I will adopt. And so I started following all of these adoption like rescue organizations within the city. And I forget how I even came across Safe and Sound Satos, but I guess it was through Instagram. I honestly don't remember. I started following them and then I was looking on all of these websites. I was constantly trying to find dogs. I was saying to them to Joe, I'm like, this one is so cute. Oh my God, I love this one. I love this one. I love this one. We should also note that Joe is allergic to dogs. So in the beginning, we were looking for like some form of doodle mix to help with his allergies. We eventually gave up on that for a multitude of reasons. And I I personally am grateful we did. But I then just started looking at every option out there. And with Safe and Sound, I just was like falling in love with the dogs they were posting. And they posted this one dog. His name was Angel. And the story was so horribly sad. They had found a box of a few puppies, I think there were just two at that point that were alive at a mechanic shop and they had been completely stranded. They didn't know if the mom was alive. The rest of the litter had died and these two dogs were barely alive. They had been drinking like motor fluid and they were on like their last leg of life. The videos that I have now that they sent me afterwards are 
so horribly sad. Unfortunately, the other one did not survive. So Angel was the sole surviving dog of this litter. And I'll post photos on Instagram recap of this episode. The photos are just the cutest little things in the world. He was just so precious. He had black fur with like white markings on his face and these golden ears and a white chest. And I was like, Joe, I'm obsessed with this dog. This has to be our dog. Like this absolutely has to be our dog. So I submitted our application. And I think now it's a lot harder. I don't know anymore, but I know during COVID, it was like actually very difficult to adopt a dog. This was not the like exact same thing at all at this period. It wasn't like I was fighting with all these applicants to get a dog. And we sent in our application and we got approved and we found out that we were getting Angel, who is now Charlie. Charlie's Angels. Yes, that was a play on why we ended up naming him Charlie. But I just was so excited. And this was definitely something. And I think this typically happens where like one person in the relationship, if you're getting a dog with a partner, I typically believe that one person is like more drawn to the idea and more of like a spearheading the mission. Even with kids sometimes, like there's typically one person who is like, come on, let's let's do this. And the other person kind of gets on board. I'm not saying that you have to like convince someone to do this, but I was definitely the one that was like leading this mission of getting a dog. You know what I have not been getting a lot of lately? Vegetables in my diet. That is a massive understatement, especially during my first trimester. So you better believe I'm heavily relying on my daily AG1. AG1 is made with 75 super high quality vitamins, minerals, and whole food sourced ingredients, but it's way more than just greens. I originally tried AG1 a few years ago because I felt I wasn't getting enough nutrients in with my diet. And I had heard about it from a multitude of friends and people I trusted, and I wanted to see what all the buzz was about. Well, it's safe to say I became hooked because that was about four years ago, and I've taken it every day since. Especially now that I'm pregnant, vegetables have just not been a staple in my diet for the last three months. I'd say the main food group was just anything packaged or beige. That is why I'm grateful for my morning AG1. I take it first thing in the morning before I get my day started, and it makes me feel like I'm ready to take on the day. I feel a little energized and ready to go spend the morning wrangling my toddler. And if there's anything you need energy for, trust me, it is that. Plus, it helps me in knowing I am getting in my greens and nutrients first thing. Obviously, if you are pregnant or nursing, I always recommend checking with your own doctor to confirm whether AG1 is right for you at this time. But if you want to take ownership of your health, today is a great time to start. Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Go to athleticgreens.com FFF. That's athleticgreens.com FFF to check it out. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. Something I think we all struggle with, especially parents, is carving out time to spend on ourselves. I was just having this conversation with a girlfriend over lunch last week, and she said she felt I did a really good job at prioritizing my own needs. Honestly, I felt so proud. It has taken so much time for me to get to this place. As a historically people-pleasing person, I was always spending time on everyone else's needs before my own. Now, it is vital to me that I fill up my own cup first. It's so easy to get caught up in what everyone else needs from you and never take a moment to think about what you need from yourself. I know for me personally, I could spend all day in response mode trying to make sure everyone else's needs were met. 
However, where would that leave me? A shell of myself who eventually wouldn't be able to help others. This is why therapy has been so important to me. It is one of my key ways that I fill up my cup and focus on bettering myself. It carves out an hour every week to simply work through things I am struggling with. Whether it be focused on work, parenting, or my relationships, it is time for me to put myself first. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It is entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Find more balance with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com Cameron today and get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Cameron. Hey guys, I'm Whitney Port and this is With Wit. A lot of you may know me from reality TV and the reality is a lot's happened since the hills. With Wit is dedicated to having real, raw, and occasionally ridiculous conversations with the people who have had a profound impact on me. Because on With Wit, very little is off limits. Subscribe so you don't miss any of the amazing conversations to come. New episodes of With Wit are available every Tuesday on all platforms. So there was a part of me that was nervous of like, I hope this goes well because I kind of feel like it's going to be on me if it doesn't. But we were actually, we went to a trip. We went to London. What time of the year was this? This was the fall of 2019. And we were on a trip to London and we landed that night at like nine o'clock. And the next morning at 7 a.m., I went to the Upper East Side to pick up Angel, now Charlie, from the founder of Safe and Sound, Satos apartment, because he had flown in the day before while we were on our flight. And so she got him from the airport. And he was just the cutest thing in the entire world. Like, I look at these photos and I'm like, are you fucking kidding? He was the littlest, like most scrumptious thing ever. I believe he was 12 weeks at the time. And, you know, we had gotten all of this stuff beforehand, the crate, the bed, the all of these things. I was just over the moon obsessed with him. Like my heart exploded. Now, having a puppy is not easy. And I hate the people that are like, oh, you think having a puppy is hard? Try having a kid. I've had both. They are both difficult in their own ways. With a puppy, they're not wearing diapers. So they are peeing and shitting everywhere. Typically with babies, they're in diapers. So you at least don't have to worry about that. Like it's disgusting, but at least they're in diapers and they're like, contained. However, with puppies, you can also like put them in the crate at some point and they can like be on their own and you can't really do it with a kid. I just felt like it was definitely harder than I imagined. And between he actually has slept like pretty well, I remember from the beginning. And we were very big on not doing pee pads to each their own. I just never wanted him to think he could go to the bathroom in the apartment because I do think that that's difficult when you like have pee pads and then you're like, wait, now we're transitioning and the dog's like, well, I've been peeing in this apartment for a long time, so I'm going to keep doing it. So we never did pee pads, which meant a lot of trips down the elevator and outside. And yes, tons of accidents. I'm not saying he never went to the bathroom in the apartment, but it was definitely more work than we imagined. And that's the same with kids. I think it's the same with animals. You get excited and obviously the pros outweigh the cons, hopefully, but it is a lot to take on. And I don't think you ever fully understand until you're in it. So there definitely was a period, and I've talked to a lot of my friends who got dogs and they have experienced similar things where you're kind of like, what the fuck did I just do? 
Like, what just happened? I love this animal so much, but what have I done? Because for the first time, and I wonder if people feel this way, if they get a dog or whatever after you have a kid, but for the first time, we were now responsible for like putting someone else before ourselves. Like this thing's schedule needs, everything had to come first. And I think that that was a big learning experience for us. But I also think it was essential for working through before having a kid, which is why I always suggest if you want to have children and a dog to get the dog first and work through some stuff that's inevitably going to come up. Because you could be living with your partner, but like, yes, there's some division of labor with a house of groceries and cleaning and that kind of stuff, but not a ton. Then you put like a third party in, whether it's a dog or a kid, and it just ups the ante. So it was really important for us that we went through this beforehand. And we're so grateful we did because it started the discussions of like, who's doing the walks? How are we dividing this? Who's doing all of his meals? Who's in charge of the training? Who's in charge of taking him to the vet and scheduling these appointments and all of that stuff, taking him to the dog park. So there was definitely a learning curve for us. There were a few moments where we were like, what have we done? But overall, we were just so in love with him. I will say, we talked about this actually on the car this morning. I was like, Joe, do you have anything to say about him on this episode? And one thing we're so blessed about is like he weirdly never had this like puppy terrorize the apartment phase. Like there was one thing that he kind of like ate at one point in our apartment, the wood chippings of like our island. But he never was some a dog who would eat shoes or socks or clothes or sofas, like never. I don't I don't know. We didn't do anything specific to do that, but he just never did it. But let me tell you, those teeth were fucking razor sharp. And I just remember like my hands being clawed 24-7. Training-wise, because I think it's very important, we worked with the most amazing trainer from Andrea Arden, Melanie. She's awesome. I've recommended her to so many of you. And we also did the Andrea Arden like puppy socialization and I think it was like puppy 101 or something class. And those were vital and definitely helpful. Now, let's talk about Charlie's socialization. So Charlie lived in New York from 12 weeks old to October, November, December, January, February, March to like six months old, okay? Then COVID hit and Charlie was already like in these puppy socialization classes, definitely a dog that was like on the more dominant side and very vocal just from the get go. Then when COVID hit and we ended up being in Florida at my parents' house for like 70 days, he got no socialization. Like he did not see other dogs because like most people in my parents' community area, don't have dogs, but also like this was very strict COVID. You were not interacting with anyone. You didn't know if like someone pet your dog, if suddenly they were gonna get COVID, then you were gonna get COVID. So it was like he saw no other dogs. But then when we came back, we were staying at my parents' house in New Jersey, and then I got pregnant, so we stayed there for a very long time. So he missed out on like a lot of socialization during that first year and a half of his life. And I don't know if that's the reason, but it definitely changed him socially as a dog. So when we moved back to New York, I also don't think it helped that I was like seven months pregnant. So he was very territorial and 
I guess, like protective of me, he turned into an absolute terror on the street. Like he is just someone, we know this, he's leash reactive, cannot interact with dogs on a leash on the street. And I know many of you experience this because I've talked about it a lot on my stories. Many of you DM me about this. It's more complicated and frustrating and emotionally draining than I think anyone talks about because this dog is the most loving, kind, wonderful dog in the world, but he turns batshit crazy on a leash when he sees a dog he doesn't like. It's a very overwhelming experience in a large city where there are tons of dogs everywhere and not everyone has the best dog etiquette. I very much avoid every dog in a walk. I do not approach dogs. I do not like, we do not socialize with dogs on walks, okay? And in our apartment building, it was getting really frustrating because there were so many dogs that just like came during COVID especially, but all of the dogs in our building were getting very protective over the lobby. And so there were like 10 dogs in our building that just hated each other. And if you were stuck in the lobby at the same time, it was a lot. And so then every walk became this kind of like daunting experience of like, what are we going to get here? Joe and I would joke like every time we came home from a walk, we were like, we'd grade him. And sometimes it was just reacting every turn of every corner or I don't know who the hell in the West Village thinks it's a good idea to let your dogs off leash, but there are people in this city who don't believe in leashes. And then the dogs run up to us and then Charlie reacts and I'm like, please keep your fucking dog away. And then the person's like, oh no, my dog's friendly. I'm like, well, my dog's not. And like, this is gonna end up on me. And that drives me wild. So I will just say, Advice as someone who has a reactive dog. If you have a dog, especially in a busy city, don't just approach other dogs. Maybe your dog is friendly. That's amazing. I'm so happy for you, honestly. But like not every other dog is friendly and not every dog wants to hang out. So like rule of thumb, always ask, can my dog say hi? And when people would ask me, I would just say no. I'd say, I'm so sorry. No, my dog is not friendly on leash. Have you ever wondered why laundry detergent comes in those massive plastic jugs? Like who wants that? And 91% of those inconvenient, awkward, heavy jugs end up in landfills and oceans, harming our planet and marine life. There has to be a better way. And clearly we can't just stop doing laundry. I mean, sometimes I wish we could, but we can't. So do what I did and switch to Earth Breeze. EarthBreeze laundry detergent eco sheets look just like dryer sheets, but they're meant for your washing machine. It's a revolutionary liquidless laundry detergent that will dissolve 100% in any wash cycle. What this means is not only do you no longer have to deal with a huge, massive plastic jug, but you also do not have to worry about the measuring or the mess. Just simply throw the sheet in. The best part is that they are delivered right to your door via free carbon neutral shipping, and you can set the frequency to work for your lifestyle. No more realizing you're out of detergent right as you're about to throw in a very necessary load of laundry. Plus, they have a risk-free 100% satisfaction guarantee. If you do not like it, Earth Breeze will give you a full refund. No questions asked and no returns necessary. Most importantly, you still get a powerful clean. Earth Breeze is tough on stains, fights odors, and your clothes come out clean every time. Right now, my listeners can subscribe to Earth Breeze and save 40%. Go to earthbreeze.com slash Cameron to get started. That's earthbreeze.com slash Cameron for 40% off. earthbreeze.com slash Cameron. 
This past weekend, I had my first bachelorette trip in a while. I know, wild move to go on a bachelorette trip pregnant, but it was for my cousin who is basically my sister and one of my closest friends. So there was really no way I was missing it, but getting ready for the dinners and nights at the bars LOL, were some of the first times I've really put on like legitimate makeup in so long. Of course, I had all of my Ilia favorites packed with me. I love Ilia because they are a skincare powered makeup. They see skincare and makeup as one and their potent formulas are designed with active levels of skincare ingredients that shield skin from environment stressors. This way, makeup is truly improving your skin over time. Currently, I am extra obsessed with their mascara. And if you know me, you know that means a lot because I typically hate wearing mascara, but I love this Ilia one. While it is rare for me to have a full face of makeup on, there is one Ilia product that I wear almost every day, and that is their Super Serum Skin Tint SPF 40. The Super Serum Skin Tint SPF 40 is the number one bestseller and truly makes your skin look alive. It is packed with skincare actives like niacinamide, hyaluronic acid, and squalene, and most importantly, has SPF 40. It comes in 30 shades, and the best part is that you can submit a selfie on their website, and a real human will shade match you. They have a 96% success rate. If you are interested in trying, visit iliabeauty.com and use code Cameron at checkout for 15% off your first purchase. That's I-L-I-A beauty.com. Use code Cameron for 15% off your first order. One of the pregnancy symptoms that I am hardcore struggling with right now are the headaches. For me, they are pretty nonstop. I am desperately doing everything in my power to avoid them, and one of the ways I'm doing so is by starting every morning with a packet of Element in my glass of water. Even though I know it is so incredibly important, I definitely do not drink enough water when I'm pregnant, and I think that this is playing into all of my recent dehydration. It is so important to replenish electrolytes, whether that means simply existing as a pregnant person like myself or for someone who has had a few too many glasses of wine, or someone who just keeps an active lifestyle. That is why I love Element. Element is a tasty electrolyte drink mix with everything you need and nothing you don't, which means a lot of salt with no sugar. This product contains a science-backed electrolyte ratio, which is 100 milligrams sodium, 200 milligrams potassium, and 60 milligrams magnesium, with none of the junk like coloring, artificial ingredients, and other BS additives. I personally am a huge fan of the citrus salt flavor right now because I'm loving everything citrus during this pregnancy, but every flavor I've tried has been delicious and has helped me keep my headaches at bay. Right now, Element is offering my listeners a free sample pack with any purchase. That's eight single serving packets free with any Element order. This is a great way to try all eight flavors or share Element with a salty friend. Get yours at drinkelement.com slash Cameron. This deal is only available through my link. You must go to D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T dot com slash Cameron. Plus, Element offers no questions asked refunds. Try it totally risk-free. If you don't like it, they will give you your money back. No questions asked. You have nothing to lose. Now here's the kicker. Lucy got her dog Kona during covid So Charlie met her when she was, I don't know, eight, 10 weeks old. They are inseparable. They are best friends. They play like lunatics. They've never once had a problem. Charlie used to go to daycare as a puppy at this awesome place called Dog City in Chelsea, in the city. And we continue to take him post-COVID times. 
And I asked them, I was like, guys, we're having a, a bit of issues with him on the street. He's like kind of reactive to other dogs. It's honestly like unlike anything we've seen before. How is he doing in daycare? And they were like, Charlie, our big friendly giant, he is the prince here. And I'm like, are we talking about the same dog? And I asked my trainer, I'm like, are they lying to me? And she's like, no, they would want your dog out of there if he was doing this behavior in daycare. He was like a literal different dog when he walked in those doors. And I would watch it. He, I've, I've posted videos from when we lived in the city. There was no one more excited about anything in this earth than Charlie getting into his daycare building. Like absolute fucking buck wild going crazy to get into that building. And I would see him in the lobby of the building with other dogs acting completely fine. And like, he hates poodles and he does not like, like he sets off dogs also. I think that should be said. I don't know what it is about him. I don't know if it's coloring. He gives off some scent, but like dogs will go ape shit at him on walks and owners will be like, I'm so sorry. My dog's never done this. And I'm like, it happens literally 24 seven. It's something my dog gives off. So a lot of times it's not even him beginning the reactiveness, but he would be in the lobby of this building with these other dogs, completely fucking fine. So I don't know, obviously they're off leash in there. I don't know. Then the next question everyone asks is how does he do in dog parks? I honestly avoid dog parks because they cause me a lot of anxiety. Having a reactive dog just makes me very nervous of God forbid something happening. I don't even wanna put him in those situations. And I've had some experiences in dog parks there was one that like, it was a private dog run in the West Village and I got like completely shamed because I said he was a rescue and it was like all these poodles in there and they were like, oh, he's a rescue. Like it was so rude and I left crying. So I just, I, I don't know. You also never know who's in the dog parks. He does not like dogs that are not neutered or spayed and you would think that everyone would have that done at a certain age, but not everyone does. So then they're in the dog runs, whatever. He is an anomaly. We call him a Sour Patch Kid because he can be so sweet and then he can turn and it's never been on humans, just dogs. So we love him with all of our hearts. When I got pregnant, it was a very big conversation of like, we need to make sure that we are protecting our child and our dog because if something happens, unfortunately, no matter what, whether it's instigated, whether the baby was pulling on the dog's tail or whatever, like, if something bad happens, it it's the dog's fault. Unfortunately, in the world we live in, like it is the dog's fault. And it's kind of like a one strike policy because God forbid it happens again and it gets worse and worse. So we were very adamant of like setting them both up for success, but most specifically Charlie. So we worked a lot with our trainer, Melanie, while I was pregnant. And then we looked a lot at this account, Dog Meets Baby. I'll link them on Instagram. I think it's so important for anyone who has a dog. And it doesn't matter if your dog is the friendliest giant in the world or a little dog, whatever. They are still animals at the end of the day. And I think it's so important for people to remember. Like, you know, all those TikToks and Instagrams of like these big ass dogs, like cuddling newborns and all the comments are like, this is the cutest thing in the world. That makes me want to throw up. It makes me so anxious because you never freaking know how the dog is going to react. You never know. They are animals and they don't know that it's like a baby. So we followed this account, Dog Meets Baby, and she has like on her website, I forget if I bought them or if they're free, but it's a lot of like checklists and guides and all this stuff on like how to prepare your dog for bringing home a child and then how to go about like the introduction and all of these things. So we had Charlie stay at 
my sister's apartment while I was in the hospital. And then when we brought Liam home, we and like we gave Lucy one of like Liam's like hat things. I don't really know if that works, but whatever. Just to introduce Charlie to the scent while he was still in her apartment. We brought Liam home. We got settled. Then we like when Liam was asleep at one point in his room, we brought Charlie downstairs so that we could greet him like on our own, say hi to him because we'd been away for two days or three days. And then when Liam woke up, we brought him into Liam's room while Liam was still in his like bassinet that Charlie couldn't like get into. I've never seen a dog sniff so much in my motherfucking life. This dog went literal square centimeter by square centimeter of Liam's room sniffing the entire thing. It should also be said, Charlie was so interested in smelling me specifically. He would, if I like the, for the first week and a half, especially every time I peed, he was like head trying to get in the toilet bowl. Like right after there was a trash can in our bathroom that had all of my like pads and like postpartum underwear and all that stuff. And the scent of all of that because I honestly think, I just remember when I was peeing, like it's not even mostly pee. It feels like all of like the liquid is coming out of your belly and like it kind of smelled like a baby. I know that's weird, but like they all had a similar scent and I think that they do. So Charlie was like trying to figure out what was going on, but he was obsessed with the sniffing of like all of that stuff and in Liam's room. So then basically like the cardinal rule of dog meets baby, which we followed like specifically for the first year of Liam's life was there always has to be a limb between the dog and the baby. So if the baby's playing with you on the ground and the dog wants to be on the ground, your leg has to be in between them or something to block them off. So neither has access to the other. So we followed that religiously. Charlie was very protective over Liam for the first few months, like especially when I was breastfeeding, he wanted to be at my legs. If someone else was holding Liam, Charlie was like kind of going ballistic, barking at me, like trying to figure out what was happening. If I was holding Liam and other people were there, Charlie had to be like in between me and all the other people. So he definitely knew that like Liam was ours and one to protect. But again, we just... N- Never wanted to take that risk ever of like having them alone because God forbid something happens. So with that, we also installed like dog baby gates in areas of our apartment so that if we were having Liam like do stuff on the ground and like practice crawling or all of these things, we could gate off that area so that Charlie wasn't there for Liam to like accidentally get access to. And what I will say is, Who knows if this all played a role in it or if it's just how it worked. I don't know. But they both have interest in each other in the sense they know they exist. Like Charlie likes to come in the morning with me to wake Liam up and like sniff him through his crib and whatever. But and Liam will be like, Charlie, come and Charlie, come with us. Charlie, come downstairs. Like he cares about Charlie. But they honestly don't physically interact. Like they are very much aware of each other, but they're not obsessed with each other or like that interested in touching. And anytime Liam approached Charlie, Charlie always kind of just like excused himself from the situation. Like if Charlie was laying on the couch and this point, like as Liam got a little older, if he started to approach Charlie, Charlie would just get up and kind of move elsewhere. And I don't know if that gave Liam a cue of like he doesn't like to be touched or approached. So they rarely are like physically interacting. And personally, I think it's like the best of both worlds. I do 
obviously get nervous with other kids. I'm still very cautious of him. Like I'm very hyper aware of Charlie when other kids are there. And it's not like Charlie's ever done anything to make me feel this way. I just think we all should be because again, they're animals at the end of the day. But what makes me the most nervous, and I watch this happen when we're at restaurants with other people's dogs and it causes me anxiety, is parents with kids who don't have dogs don't always know the best protocol on like how to interact. So if you're listening and you have a child with and you don't have dogs, so you're like not aware of this, just like rule of thumb, I wouldn't ever have your kid like approach a dog ever unless you're talking to the owner. And even if like, I don't know, I just don't ever think it's like really necessary for kids to be like running up to dogs and petting them. That's my personal shit. Maybe I come with baggage, but that's my two cents. So how did our relationship with Charlie change after we had a baby? I will also share this photo. I remember on night like three, probably, when hormones were fucking out of control and sleep deprivation was oh so real. I remember sitting on the couch, and I posted this actually on Instagram, on my feed. I was sitting on the couch in like my postpartum diaper underwear with a nursing bra hooked up to my like pump. So plugged into the wall the sound of that pump, which makes me want to jump out of a window and looking at Charlie in the corner, like on his own. And I just start hysterically crying. And I turned to Joe and I was like, does Charlie know I still love him? Like, is he aware that I care about him? I have not even paid a second of attention to him. And that honestly kind of started with pregnancy. I felt really guilty, but for me, the scent of him was like something that I couldn't be around. Like I could not stomach his scent and especially the scent of his food. So he became Joe's like shadow during my first pregnancy because Joe was the one that was feeding him every meal. Joe was the one taking him on all of his walks. Joe was the one cuddling with him. I just couldn't. And so it had been this like long extended period of me worried that he didn't know I still loved him. And then it, it just became so real with Liam because he was just my focus for every second of every day, especially in that beginning. And I was just hysterically crying being like, I'm like, is Charlie ever going to feel loved again? Obviously, the beginning is really tough because you are so in it with newborn. It gets easier. But yes, like the dog, unfortunately, does kind of take a backseat, especially if you're the person who gave birth and you're choosing to breastfeed. Like there's just so much happening for you that for us, when it came to division of labor, Joe basically owned every single task for Charlie. So it honestly probably heightened their relationship but it definitely made me feel like scared that Charlie didn't know I loved him. Things shift, okay? I move out of that like postpartum phase and I'm deeply obsessed with him. He knows I love him. We cuddle every night together. But it definitely was really hard in the beginning. And I will say like, make sure you have someone, if you're about to have a kid and you have a dog, someone in your life that you trust for either walks or sleepovers, like, lined up and ready so that on those days or weeks where you're just like really in it and you just can't get to all the dog duties, you have someone to rely on that you already trust and have a relationship with. Now where I will say I struggle the most, and this is what I told my friend Kara, is that for me as an overstimulated person, and especially as a mom, mothering, parenting in general, having a toddler can be very overstimulating the like final straw on the camel's back for me that just like sends me is Charlie's bark. It makes me 
feral. Like I, I can't explain what it does to my insides when I'm trying to do something. I'm also trying to have a conversation with Liam or Liam's upset and he's trying to get my attention and there's all this stuff happening and then Charlie starts barking at the door. I'm like, I am gonna fucking lose it. And so I do feel guilty sometimes because I refuse to ever, like I've made it my life's mission to never react or yell at my child and I never have. But Charlie, sometimes I fail in that mission and I'll just be like, Charlie, shut the fuck up. Like it just, the barking, I don't know what it is. It makes me go bananas. So that's the one thing that we definitely have a hard time with. And he he barks a lot. Like there's no getting around it. In our apartment, some people in our floor used to like let their dogs run around in the hallway and especially their leashes would be hanging off. So he'd be making all this noise and so Charlie would bark. So that was annoying. But now in a house, it's like, there's a dog on a walk outside. There's someone pulling up. There's a mailman. There's a this, there's a that. So the barking is something I really struggle with as a parent because it just seems so much more loud and annoying than it ever did before. And especially if like Liam's asleep and we just get him down and then he's like barking right outside of his door. It bothers me. But I will say it also makes me feel very safe at night in the suburbs because that dog knows if anything is up and he is one loud motherfucker. It's not some like little chirping bark that like wouldn't scare someone. This thing is loud. And I even had a moment where he used to sleep in our bed with us or like on the ground in our bedroom, but we have a sound machine and our door is shut. And I was like, I get nervous. Like, what if he doesn't hear something's happening? Like, I want him as our watchdog. So now he sleeps. I said to Joe, I was like, in my dream world, he'd sleep at the top of the steps. And now sometimes he'll hang out there, which is like crazy. We are not deserving of dogs. But he sleeps in the guest room, like right at the top of the steps with the door open. So he is hyper aware and on that shit. So he has our house on lockdown. So in that sense, I'm very grateful for the barking. And I guess you can't pick and choose. But overall, getting a dog was one of the best things that ever happened to us. He is the most wonderful thing ever. I love him with all my heart. It breaks me inside. I will think about this every once in a while and just start hysterically crying. The idea that he's not going to be around for Liam's entire life literally kills me because he's just the greatest thing ever. But yes, having a dog is hard. It's not all easy. And like with a puppy, especially it's difficult. I'm like unsure when we'll ever get another one because then you throw kids into the mix. I don't know how you have a puppy with kids. And we are so grateful we got him before having kids. I think it was like pivotal for us. I think it's really important if you want both timing wise. I think it's a great step for couples to work through division of labor and all sorts of stuff like that. And just putting a third party first outside of yourselves. And I just want to reiterate the importance of really training, but also like making yourself aware and implementing certain things when you're bringing a newborn home with a dog and setting your dog up for success, because I think it's really important. And yes, having a kid has made some aspects of having a dog harder, but it's also made some like wonderful memories that I can't imagine not having. Like when I watch Liam be like, Charlie, come or like, Charlie, come with us or Charlie, come on the couch or like, When Charlie comes in, we have treats for him. When he comes in from the backyard, 
And now Liam will get them and he'll go sit and like do tricks together. And it melts me. And like, he's going to have a built-in best friend and that makes my life. So Chaz Michael Murray, I love you. Thank you all so much for listening to today's episode of Freckled Foodie and Friends. I have so much fun recording the show. It is my favorite part of my job and truly is what lights me up. Your feedback and response to every episode is what keeps me going. And if this episode resonated with you, please feel free to DM me over on Instagram or share on your stories. If you are looking for a way to support the show, please rate and or review on whatever platform you use to listen to your podcast. It means the world to me and it really helps the show grow. Please also make sure to hit subscribe so that you are up to date with new episodes coming at you every Wednesday morning. And of course, please be sure to follow me on Instagram and TikTok at at Cameron Oaks Rogers. I love you and I appreciate your support so much. Please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.